And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to invite Dr. Leslie Byrne to our podium to say a few words on behalf of Equal Voice. Dr. Byrne. Thank you, Nick. Um, I just want to say it's been a really long time since anyone introduced me as the youngest person sitting at a table. <laughs> and uh, I want to say to you, to hang on <laughs> and enjoy it. It doesn't last. <laughs> um, I am delighted to have you here. This is such a great event for us. It's so thrilling to see so many um, people here uh, supporting our cause and so many incredible uh, women politicians. Um, both here on the, on the, on the head table and, and out in the audience. I thank you very much um, for coming. As you know, Equal Voice is a national organization. We are dedicated to electing uh, more women to political office at all levels. The Equal Voice Award was established in 2002, and its purpose is to celebrate the extraordinary accomplishments um, in advancing the cause of women in politics. In previous years, we've acknowledged some truly incredible women, including Anne McClellan, Belinda Stronach, Kim Campbell, uh, Leona Aguka, uh, Frances Lankin, Hazel McCallion, Flora MacDonald, and our first winner, Carolyn Bennett. Both Frances and Carolyn are here today um, for their outstanding efforts to encourage more women to be involved in politics. I would um, like to again thank our gold and silver sponsors, um, for today's event. Uh, it simply wouldn't happen without you, and we are uh, decidedly in your debt. Um, I also want to thank um, our national sponsors, Status of Women Canada, uh, TD Bank, Borealis Infrastructure, uh, Amgen Canada, and TELUS. Thank you for supporting our 10th anniversary uh, efforts. Um, in uh, just a few days, May 6th actually, um, Equal Voice is celebrating its 10th anniversary. And I wish I could tell you that in 10 years, representation of women has grown uh, in leaps and bounds. Uh, in 2001, 20.6% uh, of federal parliamentarians were women. When the writ was dropped uh, in Ottawa fairly recently, women made up 22% of our MPs. So there's clearly room for improvement. There are 405 women running in the federal election next week. And uh, we have this lunch today to send a very strong message that the status quo for women in politics is simply not acceptable. Women like Isabel have led the way, and it's our job to ensure that other women continue to follow in her footsteps. So if you can vote for a woman next week, uh, I encourage you to do so. I certainly understand why sometimes that's not possible. Um, but if you can't vote for a woman in your riding, consider supporting a woman in the riding next door. And if you are a woman, think about running again. We seem to have lots of elections. There's plenty of opportunity. <laughs> Today, it's our very great pleasure to celebrate the Honorable Isabel Bassett with an Equal Voice Award. Isabel distinguished herself in politics and throughout her career with her commitment to diversity and her long-standing dedication to women in public life. She is most worthy of our recognition. Isabel will be formally introduced in a moment, but I would like to read, if you don't mind, a note from Isabel's sister in Halifax, who could not be here today. Congratulations. This is such an important recognition of your contributions to advancing opportunities for women in so many spheres. You really are an inspiration to us all. I'm thinking of you, Margie. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Byrne. I would like to uh, now introduce today's special guest. And I'd like to begin by congratulating the individuals who knew over six months ago that choosing April 27th as the date for this event would land it so squarely within a federal election campaign. <laughs> I'd like to borrow your crystal ball someday. Uh, had this event taken place two days ago, in fact, we would have literally have been able to finish dessert and go straight to an advanced poll. Alas, those of you who have not yet voted will need to wait a few more days. We are pleased to join forces once again with Equal Voice to spotlight women in politics. The number of female candidates in political races is growing, though we all know that more can and needs to be done. Equal Voice's own statistics bear this out. Canada is ranked 49th in the world on the list of women in national parliaments, trailing among others Wales, Sweden, and Rwanda. As Nancy Peckford, Equal Voice's executive director, has said, it takes an incredible commitment to the democratic process, considerable sacrifice, and lots of tenacity to stand for public office. Add to this family responsibilities, a traditionally male-dominated profession, and the prevalence of old-fashioned notions of leadership, and it's easy to understand why elected official may not top the list of dream jobs for some women. Luckily, though, Canada has great examples of women who have thrown their hat in the ring and come out on top setting high standards and being exemplary role models for those who con contemplate such a challenge. Isabel Bassett is one such role model. No stranger to public life, Ms. Bassett first ran in the federal election of 19, uh, 1993 in the Toronto riding of St. Paul's. Not one to give up easily, or perhaps at all, two years later she was elected to the Ontario legislature and served as the Progressive Conservative MPP for St. Paul's. In 1997, she was appointed Minister of Citizenship, Culture, and Recreation. This appointment was a great fit, an ideal fit, given Ms. Bassett's passion for arts and culture, women, and diversity. She represented her constituents and served Ontarians with honor and enthusiasm. And in the years since, she has been a strong promoter of female politicians and political hopefuls. Prior to political life, Ms. Bassett, a Halifax native, established a successful journalism career, first with the Toronto Telegram in the 1960s, and later switching to the broadcast stream, where she became a prominent reporter and documentary producer for the CTV network. She last appeared at the Canadian Club of Toronto in 2000 in her role as Chair and uh, Chief Executive Officer of TV Ontario, a position she held for six years. Ms. Bassett divides her time between writing, public speaking, lobbying, and advocating for women's issues. Some of the many organizations who are fortunate to benefit from her considerable expertise include 
Dalhousie Advisory Council, Huntsville Hospital Foundation, Moving Beyond Prejudice, and the YWCA Elm Center for Affordable Housing. Isabel Bassett is also, I'm proud to say, a past president of the Canadian Club of Toronto. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming this year's Equal Voice Award recipient, Isabel Bassett. Thank you very much, Nick, and uh, welcome, everybody. It's wonderful that so many of you have come out to support Equal Voice, and me, you know, you begin to wonder when you're nominated for something, is somebody going to show up? <laughs> so I'm very happy to see you all here. I also want to thank the Canadian Club of Toronto, Nick, and everybody else involved, and Equal Voice. It's great when you come together to put on a, an event such as this. And it's 10 years after, as Leslie pointed out, that Rosemary Spears, Libby Burnham, Donna Dasko, and Francis Lankin and others started Equal Voice. Probably Carolyn Bennett, you were there too. But all the people that were pushing to see more women elected. And I see Jim sitting down there, Peterson, and I don't want to think that we don't want male politicians. You just have to move over and make room for some of the women as well. <laughs> so when I began thinking... <laughs> When I, when I began thinking what I'd talk to you about today, how I could inspire you, I thought I'd better think, a better look at what other women, uh, Eve Ward winners, had said. So I Googled everybody, and of course the one message that came out again and again and again, no surprise, was we need more women in politics, and what can we do to get them elected? So then, you know, I wasn't really up on the numbers. I just thought, you know, we were doing well. You look at all the politicians that you see on air. Hillary Clinton was running, Kim Campbell, uh, you know, big top positions and all the ministers. You think women maybe are doing all right in the world. Then outcome figures that Leslie just said, and it's terrible. Ten years after Equal Voice was started, we have almost the same number of women that we had when we started in elected positions, and that's at all three levels of government right across the country. So something has got to be looked at. We've got to encourage more women to run. Think of it. Younger women, St. Clement's way at the back, you're not being forgotten, and Branksom and all these students, 52% of this population are female in Canada, and yet we t uh, it's 21% elected <coughs> officials at government levels, and that simply is not enough. So trying to think of how I'd explain it to people, I began thinking, what if one uh, that was a family and all the major decisions in your house were made by a man because you only had 21% say? You can imagine how you'd feel. So that's the kind of thing that we're looking at. I know it's a silly example, but that is what we're looking at. So anyway, talking about numbers, I, didn't want, uh, I don't want to be doom and gloom because a lot of good things are going on, and I think we're cooking to the top. Equal voice with all the programs you've been hearing about, they are creating a need uh, and an awareness for the need for more politicians at all levels of government, and they have been laying the groundwork with their programs that women can go to, they have mentors that you can talk to, and on and on. So you're not alone 
if you want to run. And you're beginning to be uh, told that you maybe should be running. So women, I think, are thinking about it, whereas 10 years ago, they weren't. But as I drive through the country, I look out at the farmers tilling their fields, and I think, you know, this is a bit like what Equal Voices has been doing, you know, to prepare anyone for anything. There's a lot of plowing and tilling the soil. And then I began thinking, well, the farmers' crops keep coming up every year, and Equal Voices crop has to spend a few years yet before we see any results. But it is going to happen. Kim Campbell said when she was standing here making the speech that at the rate we're going, we won't see parity, which it means equal numbers of men and women sharing office in politics for another four generations. So that is a long time. That's like my granddaughter Dagny, who's one's daughter before we have parity. That's not fast enough. Anyway, who knows what's going to happen May 2nd? I think Leslie mentioned already that we have uh, 405 or so candidates, female candidates running, more than we've ever had before. And uh, nobody's predicting what, who will get in and who won't. But the chances are we'll see more women. And that's an encouraging thing. Now, I can hear some of you thinking, oh, gosh, who cares? You know, things might be going along well. Why do we need more women in politics? Well, for one thing, it's, it's uh, just a minute, I've just got to get my pages sorted, the dessert stack. Um, first of all, it's about, it, it's, first of all, it isn't about women's rights, it's about equality, the equality of women's representation in government. And I already mentioned to you what it'd be like in a family situation if you were outnumbered to that degree. Well, I know that's dramatic, but that's the situation we're in. But even if uh, all women politicians don't share the same views, and that's what people always come back at you with, oh, well, women are going to argue. Well, all groups argue. People don't have to share the same views. But studies show that they are more likely than their male counterparts to sympathize and support family issues, such as childcare, poverty, health, housing, and stopping domestic violence, only to name a few. A hundred years in Wittebeg, Nellie McClung, and I will refer to her a couple of times simply because I wrote a book and she uh, figured largely in it. She was very central to getting the vote for women provincially and then subsequently federally, and she used humor to show that male politicians had little interest in even trying to understand women's issues. Nellie McClung and her fellow suffragists staged a burlesque featuring a women's-only legislature, and the men had to come pleading for the right to vote. The female MLAs complimented them on their appearance. And <laughs> sounds familiar? And, <laughs> and dismissed their concerns, patronizingly insisting that they were intended for higher duties, such as tending to the home, and they asked them, should we call men away from the useful plow to have them talk loud on street corners about things that do not concern them? Well, women not only have a different perspective than men, but they also have a very, very different leadership style. More and more studies are coming out showing that women managers and leaders have a more collaborative, less confrontational, less hierarchical leadership style than men. Now, I know that's not news, but the surprise is that some that 
women leaders are proving to be good for business. Now, I have to thank uh, Deanne LeBreton. I don't know whether you're here, but you have sent me reams and reams of reports, so I'm up to here with reports, and I have all the statistics that support all these things that I am saying. One in particular is a McKinsey and Company report called Women Matter Too. It shows beyond any doubt that companies with more women in leadership have a clear competitive advantage in the marketplace from a business perspective. And as a result, they have happier employees, shareholders, and customers. Now, it seems, and I know that government and politics, uh, government and business are totally different, but it still seems that our seat of democracy could stand a change in its mood and tone these days. And when one looks at all the disengaged and cynical customer base that it has, women might provide that. Samara, and <clears throat> who just gave the wine, is the charitable organization that aims to advance the understanding of the role of political leadership in Parliament in Canada. It recently released a report based on exit interviews with former MPs. They not only called Parliament dysfunctional, but they confessed that they were embarrassed that the House of Commons was really more like an unsupervised schoolyard of bullies than a forum for public debate. Well, maybe I'm overly optimistic, but it seems obvious that if we had more women politicians in play with their different kind of leadership style, we could restore a little positive balance to the democratic process. So why isn't it happening? I can clap. So why isn't it happening? Political leaders accept women, we know that. Just look at the number of women candidates running in this election, and I'm sure uh, they will be appointed uh, to, if those that win will move on and up. And I know firsthand, because my partner, Ernie Eves, who's sitting here, when he was premier, he appointed more women to his cabinet and put them in high-profile positions than had been done previously. Elizabeth Whitmer was deputy premier, Janet Ecker was finance minister, and Helen Johns, minister of agriculture. All not usual positions for women uh, in the days gone by. The public, we know, is ready to accept women. Jennifer Lawless, who is head of the Women and Politics Institute at the American University at Washington, D.C., explained at Equal Voices anniversary conference in Ottawa that the traditional barriers that once existed for women in politics are more or less gone, and that today a woman, a woman candidate can do as well and a, as a man in the same district, attracting the same financial support as, <clears throat> and the same number of votes. In her surveys of thousands of potential political candidates, Dr. Lawless found the problem is really with women holding themselves back. When I asked various qualified, educated, and politically-minded women if they would ever run for office, they replied that they didn't want to work in the culture of confrontation, backbiting, and one-upsmanship of politics. They didn't want their private lives to be made public, and all the young mothers said that the timing was wrong. Almost everyone that I spoke to with, uh, with raised uh, the all-too-familiar work-life balance conundrum. Not that I blame them. Uh, corporate culture is bad enough, we know, but government life uh, can be even more so. It's difficult enough for men. 
but it puts an added strain on women who have been socialized to believe that they are responsible for taking care of their families. Women's socialization is a powerful influence on women's ambitions. Dr. Lawless says it breeds a lack of confidence and explains in part why so many highly qualified women get to the end of the diving board but decide not to take the plunge into politics. Dr. Lawless discovered that compared to men with equal training and abilities, women tend to underestimate their own qualifications and as a result have lower political ambition, a lack of confidence that often prevents women from taking on new challenges. Fiona McFarlane, who is uh, involved with the International Women's Forum and a partner at Ernst & Young, told me about a leadership exercise at work. Employees assembled into groups and each group had to submit a plan about building a bridge across the room. But first, they had to name a leader. And you, you probably can guess, every single group named a male leader, although all the people had equal qualifications in the group. One woman participant, an engineer no less, said she didn't know enough about bridge building. Another woman said that they were waiting, she, that she and her group of other women were waiting to be asked to be leader. And even those women who had a little more experience than the men in the group voted for the man because they thought the man would be better. So that's the kind of issue that we're looking at with socialization. You have to be aware of that. Finally, women don't see how they can make a difference in politics. Instead, a lot of them are gravitating towards not-for-profits, where they feel that they can make a difference, or they go to smaller firms or start their own businesses that represent more their personal values and that have work cultures that are more supportive and accommodating to all that important uh, work-life balance. All valid, and whatever their reasons are for not seeking political office, the net result is that women are still not represented in government, and our, our public policy and functionality of government are seriously lacking because of it. Which brings me to what we can do exactly to make this happen, to make the seeds grow like the farmers' fields and ours don't. To answer this, I have, stepped out, I have to step outside of my comfort zone a bit, being somewhat older than many of you. Of course, I won't say how much is being here, but I was brought up at a time when women were grow, uh, groomed to be, above all, nice and not make waves, especially not when receiving an Equal Voice Award at a luncheon like this. And my mother had this incredible story, and my brother's here, but I don't think she told you, Donald, but she told my sister and I about attending an important luncheon in Halifax. And the waiter dropped a tray of food on one of the guests. All the women continued talking as if nothing had happened. And then when a second waiter came to help, he slipped and fell, and the women kept talking. My sister and I thought this was absolutely ludicrous. And today we would call this kind of thing the elephant in the room. But my, my mother said, and she was right, I can see, may, maybe in that case, that it's sometimes better to ignore the obvious and save everyone embarrassment. But there are times in life, and young people here will learn it if you don't know it already, that it is better to make waves, 
when you have to speak out, and today is one of them. After all, anniversaries are a time to reflect, to measure the gap between expectations and reality, and to set new targets. They're a time to talk about what we may have been avoiding. In other words, the elephant in the room. And this elephant has to do with the United Nations definition of equality, which says equality between men and women refers to equal rights, opportunities, and responsibilities. The responsibilities of men and women. Well, today, thanks to all the women and some enlightened men who fought for suffrage and all the rights that we enjoy, we do have rights and opportunities. The elephant in the room is responsibility. The door is open. The path, well, the path leaves something to be desired, I know. But it's clearly there, and it's our responsibility to walk forward. A hundred years ago, to make her point, Nellie McClung resorted to stand-up comedy. Today, luckily, we have YouTube. And I have to thank Carolyn Lawrence, the President and CEO of Women of Influence, for sending me a very funny link, which you can find yourself uh, if you search for feminism explained. Not now, but later. <laughs> it's a strange and somewhat crude and obviously satirical conversation between two animated characters, a man and a woman, at an office water cooler. The woman starts by saying, Hi, I'm a feminist. The man says, oh no, why? She explains that she wants to get equal rights for women. And to do this, more women need to do things such as study math and science and enter politics, enter politics and do difficult jobs and so on. So he asks, well, what did you study? To which she quickly replies, English. Because math and science are boring and I don't want to hang out with geeks but other women should. So, now this is a crude example to be sure, but it illustrates my point. We want par parity in politics, but we want someone else to actually step forward and achieve it for us. Is it possible that we become a little bit spoiled in this regard? Have we been socialized so that we will keep our place? Do we fail to see how we could make a huge and meaningful difference by getting ourselves elected? Or do we lack the confidence to risk taking the plunge into strange waters? I've asked myself these questions so many times when I stood at the end of the diving board. And the one time, and one time, I initially turned back. That was 20 years ago when the Canadian Club asked me if I wanted to be president. I didn't think I would fit in with the male business elite. So I went home, and after a lot of soul-searching, I finally realized that this was the opportunity I'd been saying more women should be taking. So I took the leap. And as it turned out, I was able to bring diversity and positive change to the board and gain confidence, contacts, and knowledge that proved invaluable subsequently in my later careers. Now, I wasn't the only one. It happened the same with all the past presidents, the female past presidents at the Canadian Club. They had, many of them told me about their hesitation, but they made the leap too. And after, uh, and after very successful experiences here running the Canadian Club, they have all gone on to high profile positions. So in closing, to women who are thinking of running, 
I urge you to, one, gather your confidence, see all the barriers as opportunities, face up to the elephants in the room, put one foot in front of the other and take the plunge into politics and make some waves of your own. And remember that you are not alone. In fact, you have 52% of the population behind you. And in case that's not enough, you have the support of Equal Voices programs. And those of us who are not running can help too. Equal Voices Be Her or Support Her program shows you how to help a candidate. So go online and see. If everyone does their part and takes advantage of their opportunities that we have earned, collectively we can and we will fulfill our responsibility of equal representation in government long before our great-grandchildren uh, are born. Now in closing, I just want to read you a few lines from a poem by Emily Dickinson that I first read at St. Clement's, so it seemed appropriate. We never know how tall we are until we're called to rise. Then, if we are true to form, our statues touch the skies. Thank you, and vote, please. My name is Donna Dasko, and I'm the National Chair of Equal Voice. I am so pleased to be here today to speak on behalf of Equal Voice and to thank the Honor Honorable Isabel Bassett for her wonderful and inspirational remarks and to present her with our Equal Voices Eve Award. Our Eve Award recognizes individuals who have made a significant contribution to advancing women in Canadian politics. And you've heard who our previous recipients are. They are all trailblazers. They are all uh, supporters, strong supporters of women in politics. They symbolize and support our cause, and we salute them for that. We've heard earlier about Isabel Bassett's accomplishments. She was a highly acclaimed print and broadcast journalist with a string of rewards in her profession before she entered the realm of politics. So why did she leave the realm of journalism to pursue a political career? And why did she keep going in that political career even after she faced electoral defeat for the first time? She did it because she knew that there were great things to do in politics. And she knew that there were great goals to pursue. And as she said, she wanted to slay the elephant in the room. She wanted to step forward and she wanted to make her mark. She won election to Queen's Park, and she was appointed Minister of Citizenship, Culture, and Recreation, and she left her mark as one of the most socially progressive members in the government of former Premier Mike Harris. Isabel Bassett has consistently promoted women in their careers, and she has been consistently enthusiastic in promoting our goal, and our goal at Equal Voice is to elect more women to public office. So today, Isabel, we... Thank you for your achievements. We honor your achievements. 
Uh, we thank you for your spirit, and we thank you for your support. And we thank you for showing us that great things are possible for women, both before politics, during, and after. You are a most fitting re uh, recipient uh, of our award in this, our 10th anniversary. So I'd like to ask Leslie Byrne to join me at the podium to honor, Elizabeth, uh, to, um, honor our recipient, um, Isabel Bassett, with our EVE Award for 2011. Thank you very much, Isabel, Donna, and Leslie. Isabel would like you all to, uh, to eat as soon as possible. She said they must be starving, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to whip through the rest of this. Uh, thank you all of you for joining us for our sixth annual Women in Public Life luncheon. Before lunch is served, I'd like to announce a few upcoming events at the Canadian Club of Toronto. On May 9th, Kevin Williams, President and Managing Director of GM Canada, We'll discuss the transformation underway at the new GM, including the innovations required to face tomorrow's challenges. On May 13th, we'll be joined by Frank Stronach, founder and soon-to-be former chairman of Magna International, Inc. And on May 30th, the Honorable John Malloy, Minister of Training Colleges and Universities, discusses what the future holds for Ontario students. To order tickets to these or any Canadian Club events, please visit our website, at canadianclub.org. I'd also like to remind everyone that a podcast of today's event will be available this, uh, later this week on iTunes, or early next week, perhaps. Simply visit the event listing on our website and click the podcast link. On your way out, please stop by the Equal Voice table for more information on this remarkable organization. Uh, and please note that there are Equal Voice donation cards on your tables. Please locate them. Um, if you wish to donate, please fill out a card and hand it to one of the Equal Voice volunteers standing at the doors. This concludes our television programming, which, has, uh, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We are grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please stand and join me in a toast to Canada. to Canada. Enjoy your lunch. <laughs> <laughs>